And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190-1075 FM. I want to thank everybody in both markets for tuning into the program. You can watch the live stream at rumble.com slash Casey, the host, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. All right, more information here about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. We're going to get into all of the taxes that Biden wants to raise on all of you. And that includes, uh, in particular, lower income individuals. We'll get into that. Uh, we're also going to talk about tactical bras because we need tactical bras. There's a there's a dramatic shortage of bras that are tactical and and you need tactical bras for chesticles that go into combat, I guess. So we're going to talk about all that a little bit later on in the program as well. All right. Um, let's see. Day after the Mar-a-Lago raid, every single Trump-backed candidate won their election. <laughs> every single one. Every single one. Eric Trump says that Trump is shattering all fundraising records following the FBI raid. You realize you even have personalities on CNN, who is the conspiracy news network, who is all in on anti-Trump. You have panelists on CNN saying that the FBI really screwed up here. And not just because, legally speaking, They don't appear to have a case. The raid was certainly excessive when they could have used a grand jury subpoena instead of using the raid. The the idea of the raid is so repugnant to everybody that the FBI actually contacted MSNBC during live coverage of it because MSNBC conveniently had a reporter on scene. And the Chiron on MSNBC was FBI raids Mar-a-Lago and the FBI didn't like that it said raid So the FBI contacted MSNBC, according to sources within the agency, and said, uh, please don't use the word raid. We're just executing a search warrant. It was two minutes later, two minutes later, that MSNBC changed the Chiron. Two minutes later. Because there's no coordination or anything like that happening with the feds and and the news media. That would never happen. No, no. A complete inexperienced reporter would just show up in the middle of the night uh, for a, a Trump uh, a Trump uh, cabinet member to get raided by the FBI <laughs> in the middle of the night all those all those months ago, right? Uh, so anyway, the fundraising is insane. The FBI has made a mistake because there isn't any legal issue that appears to be in play here, um, considering the FBI... See, this is something else that we learned last night. So the FBI, when they, in June, went to Mar-a-Lago and looked at the documents and wanted Trump to secure the documents better than they were, What the FBI did is the FBI put their own lock on the room that the documents were being kept in, which means Trump and staff couldn't go into the room and couldn't change the way that those documents were being stored anyway. So then the FBI came back during the raid and wouldn't you know it, they forgot their own key. They lost the key to their own lock, so they had to break their own lock on the door. Isn't that interesting? They also had to rifle through the underwear of Melania Trump. And I'm sure nobody snagged any of the underwear or sniffed them or anything inappropriate like that. I'm sure it was all on the up and up. Uh, But they they were rifling through her her, uh, closet and her underwear drawer and things like that, according to witnesses who were there. So what documents were being stored there again? Interesting stuff, right? And we had Sarah Perry, again, legal analyst. She was on yesterday. And she was talking about the warrant being very, very specific about that safe. And, of course, they went to the safe 
allegedly there's something being stored in the safe that he's not supposed to have. And what was in the safe? Nothing. It was empty. It was completely empty. Now, a lot of you are probably wondering, all right, but how did this even get started? Like, what's the deal here? Like, how how did this go down? That is a great question. We've been having that question for a while now because, again, these appear to be documents that were declassified. They appear to be documents. Cash Patel was there. Cash Patel has released the documents declassifying these documents that were at Mar-a-Lago. There doesn't appear to be any crime at all. Once again, we have a fake accusation of a crime against Trump, which doesn't actually have any evidence, which we have seen, what, a dozen times now at least? If not more, 15? We just had charges dropped against Trump again in the Southern District of New York because there was no evidence. And I got news for you. The case against him in Georgia, it's going to be dropped. And even Yahoo News is writing articles about the case in in Georgia is is a non-starter. There's nothing there. It is designed to make the lowest common denominator think that there's constantly a scandal. But there isn't one. It's just fake news, fake allegations. There's no actual evidence or anything like that that appears to materialize. If that changes, we'll certainly tell you. But there doesn't appear to be anything. If there was anything to this, the FBI would have already told us. But they haven't. Instead, the FBI is running and hiding from everybody, and they're not actually telling you what this is all about. So the only thing that we have is the information that has been released, which is the documents that he had weren't uh, being secured properly. They were in a room. They weren't secured the way that the FBI wanted them to be secured. But the FBI put their own lock on the room so Trump couldn't change the way that they were stored if he wanted to. But they were also secured by the FBI with their own lock. Now they had to break their own lock to get into the room to get the documents that they already knew that he had that weren't illegal for him to possess. He was cooperating, so why the raid instead of a grand jury subpoena? And the answer to that is theatrics. That's all it is. It's theatrics. And anybody who tells you otherwise is straight up lying to you. You you launch a raid on somebody who is actively hiding from you, is actively not cooperating in an investigation, that you have evidence of. You realize this judge, this judge who donated to Jeb Bush, donated to Obama, you know, hated Donald Trump. You realize that this guy posted that Donald Trump had no moral stature on Facebook. You realize the judge did that, that Donald Trump has no moral stature. This is the same guy who defended Jeffrey Epstein, lecturing people on moral statures. I want you to just think about that for a second. The guy telling you that Trump has no moral stature is a guy who defended a repetitive child rapist and was proud of it. Didn't hide it. Was proud of it. At one point, that was his business office contact information, chief counsel for Jeffrey Epstein, lecturing everybody else on what is and is not moral. Interesting, right? So why did this even happen? What is the point? If, if Trump was cooperating, again, why the raid? Theatrics wasn't necessary, wasn't legally necessary. Um, none of the raids were legally necessary on any of the individuals who were raided by the FBI. That's the, they were all cooperating. This is the one constant that we have. Everybody who was under investigation for anything was all cooperating. And notice all of them in anything related to the Trump administration, the Trump campaign, or Russia were all exonerated of anything having to do with any of those things, right? All of them. Manafort wasn't convicted on anything related to Trump.
Manafort was convicted of something that happened before he ever joined Trump, years before, and the IRS had previously exonerated him for. So the effort is to bankrupt people. Fake case against General Flynn, where you manufactured evidence against him, lied about him. Even the FBI agents investigating Flynn were like, what are we doing here? The attempt to entrap multiple people, including members of Congress by the FBI. So what happened here? Why, why the raid? Oh, look at that. We got another mole. Then they're calling it a mole. Now, the last time the, the authority said, oh, we have a mole inside uh, Team Trump. It wasn't a mole. It was a spy. It was a paid employee of the FBI who was placed in the campaign. And that person ended up lying to everybody. The raid on Mar-a-Lago was based largely on information from an FBI confidential human source. So they had a spy inside Mar-a-Lago. One who was able to identify what classified documents uh, President Trump was still hiding and even the location of those documents, according to senior government officials to, uh, to Newsweek. Okay, So the allegation here is that Trump has classified documents that he was actively withholding and hiding from the federal government. Those documents were allegedly kept in the safe, the safe that the FBI opened that was empty. Just so we're clear. The officials who have direct knowledge of the FBI's deliberations and were granted anonymity in order to discuss sensitive matters said the raid of Donald Trump's Florida residence was deliberately timed to occur when when the former president was away. Which, again, is very strange. It's, It's actually one of the things we talked with Sarah Perry about this. It's very strange that they waited until he was in New York to raid Mar-a-Lago. Why? Why wait until he's gone when you could go and show him the warrant and, and uh, if need be, arrest the guy while he's there? What's the point of waiting until he's away? FBI decision makers in Washington and Miami thought that denying the former president a photo opportunity or a platform from which to grandstand or to attempt to thwart the raid would lower the profile of the event, according to one source. Hey, did that work? Did it work? To lower the profile of the event, to not have Trump at Mar-a-Lago when you conducted the raid that you don't want to call a raid because you know that the word raid is very problematic. Hmm. The effort to keep the raid low-key failed. Instead, it prompted a furious response from GOP leaders and Trump supporters. Uh, What a spectacular backfire, uh, says the justice official. So again, they had a spy in Mar-a-Lago, which they will call, they will call, you know, oh, we, we, had a, we had a whistleblower or whatever. Yeah, no. The last time that happened, nobody's going to believe the FBI in any of this because the FBI has already done all of this before. And every time they told you, we just had a concerned citizen come forward, it was a lie. It ended up being a paid operative who was placed inside the Trump campaign. So nobody's going to believe that this is just a concerned citizen at all until it is just purely undeniable with evidentiary proof. But that doesn't appear to be something that we're going to get because, of course, they want to protect their source. Right, They want to protect the confidentiality of their mole. But rest assured, they'll end up being a paid spy. They're going to be somebody's on the dole, just like everybody with the Governor Whitmer kidnapping fiasco that the FBI concocted, that the people did not concoct, but is a complete and total FBI operation. We already know that uh, the FBI got embarrassed when they went to trial on that thing. Uh, FYI, Governor Whitmer has COVID. I don't know how she has COVID. She got like four or five or seven shots or whatever. She has COVID. She says she's fine. Uh, wish her, I wish her a speedy recovery so Tudor Dixon can kick her out of the governor's mansion. But uh, this, is a, a, <laughs> this is a spectacular failure by the FBI. And I you know, just, just want to point this out one more time. And I realize that everybody's going to do this to you, but it needs to be repeated over and over and over and over and over again. 
Had the FBI and the Department of Justice taken document security issues like this, seriously, going back all the way to Sandy Berger, had they taken these sorts of allegations seriously for all of those decades, then maybe, maybe everybody would sit back and go, all right, we're going to let this play out and see if Trump actually did anything. But because they excused all of that, even with the director of the FBI going on national television and saying, Hillary Clinton broke the law. She just wasn't sophisticated enough to know that she was doing it. And not charging anybody, not holding anybody accountable for all of these decades, because that was the position that they took when Democrats did the things that they're accusing Trump of doing. Even if Trump's guilty, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to pay attention to it except hyper-partisan hyper hypocrites. That's all that's going to happen. Because everybody is looking at this, even Hillary Clinton supporters know she's guilty as hell. And everybody acknowledges this. But at the end of the day, you didn't take that seriously. So why should anybody take this seriously? Because if you take this seriously, you have to go after Hillary. You have to go after Obama, who destroyed thousands of documents. You have to. But you didn't. You're only going after Trump. And it's just the latest in a long line of false accusations against him that have been all debunked and proven wrong. So even if, even if you strike gold here and you do find that Trump made a mistake or intentionally took classified documents that he didn't declassify, even if that's the case, which seems very unlikely at this point in time, no one but hyper-partisan hypocrites are going to care because you never cared about it before now. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel and covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, 1107.5 FM. Cash Patel. Trump declassified whole sets of materials in anticipation of leaving government that he thought the American public should have the right to read themselves. That's what Cash Patel told Breitbart. The White House counsel failed to generate the paperwork to change the classification markings, but that doesn't mean that the information wasn't declassified, he said. I was there with the president when he said, we are declassifying this information. This story is just another disinformation campaign designed to break the public trust in a president that lived on transparency. It's yet another way to attack Trump and say that he took classified information when he did not. Now, once again, the reason that I went over the fact, okay, the fact that the Department of Justice refused to declassify certain documents after the classification order was sent and they were going through the redaction process and they just slow walked it until Trump was out of office. The reason I went over that story is, what if... What if that was the plan all along? What if the plan all along was not to declassify the stuff that he requested be declassified, which is his power exclusively as the president of the United States, because you knew that he was going to try and add it to his presidential library. And the moment he tried to build his archives for the library, you were able to launch an FBI raid on him in order to prevent him from running for president in the future. What if that was the goal by the swamp the entire time? Well, Casey, is, is that tinfoil hat stuff? Well, if it's tinfoil hat stuff, you have to butt up against the absolute and total fact that the Department of Justice refused to declassify certain documents that he ordered declassified. 
By the way, Judicial Watch has filed their FOIA request for those documents now. They did that yesterday as a result of the raid in Mar-a-Lago. So you're going to have to come, you're going to have to have a come to Jesus moment about that stuff. I went a little bit long in the last segment. We got to get out on a hard break here. Casey Hendrickson on 95.3 MNC covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WoWo 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WoWo 107.5 FM. If you would like to watch the live stream of the show, a lot of new people watching. I assume you're probably from the Fort Wayne area in the WoWo audience. You can watch on Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey the host. If you don't know what Rumble is, I don't know how you don't know what Rumble is, but for those of you who don't, because this did come up earlier in the week, Rumble is the competitor to YouTube, the big one. And it is where there is free speech for politics. Uh, Dan Bongino is an investor over there. Rumble is uh, now affiliated with Locals.com, which is a Patreon alternative, and it also... Uh, has a distribution deal with Truth Social, which is Trump's social network. And Rumble is not just for political commentary and news and, and podcasts and stuff. They do everything that YouTube does. They're just growing by leaps and bounds. They're obviously not as big as YouTube, but they are a place that doesn't censor people. So I would encourage you to get a Rumble account if you like to watch video content involving shall we say, a highly censored material on other platforms like Facebook and YouTube. Uh, then you can go on to Rumble. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a free thing for you to do, and you can hang out with us every single day. I embed the, the Rumble live streams on my website, so you can go and watch on the website and everything else too. It's entirely up to you how you want to do it. Most people watch on Rumble just because it's easier to chat with everybody and kind of hang out. But uh, great service. I've had, you know, very, very positive uh, reactions with Rumble, and I was one of the first uh, live streaming uh, personalities on Rumble, and it's, it's, uh, it's been nice. It's been very good. So I encourage you to get a free membership over there. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the Host, C-A-S-E-Y, Casey the Host, and hit that subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything. All right, back to latest information here on the Mar-a-Lago raid. I promise it will not be the entire three-hour show on this. Yesterday was the first time I had done three hours on anything that wasn't a breaking news event, I think, in probably five years. It's been a very long time since I've done something like that, but it was so important that we did it. And it's we'll give you an hour of it today, all right? And if anything breaks during the show, we'll give you those updates, but I'm not going to do the entire three hours on this, I promise. So this is uh, also from Cash Patel. Trump authorizes total declassification of all documents related to Hillary's email scandal and the Russia hoax. Uh, this was back in October of 2020. In October of 2020. And he even tweeted about it. So it's, you know, again, it, it, you go back to the Department of Justice refusing to declassify certain things dealing with the, the Mueller report. The DOJ has admitted that. That they didn't declassify it, it, it uh, they waited until Trump was out of office, and then they did not declassify them as were they were required to do. And my assumption is that there's probably other people who refused to declassify these other documents, even though the president had declassified them. And once he gives that order, by the way, they're declassified. Um, the mere act of him as president taking documents out of the White House can in and of itself, legally speaking, be a declassification of those documents because he is the sole arbiter of that. So these are things that, you know, 
legal analysts here on the left and the right are like, the FBI messed up bad. So this doesn't look good. The other thing that came up yesterday as I was going through some of the, the experts who deal with presidential transitions and the formation of libraries and that sort of thing is that, you know, these types of security screenings and evaluations that the FBI did at Mar-a-Lago on these documents back in June are actually really commonplace and that they tend to happen with regularity. And in fact, uh, former presidents who are building their library oftentimes have these inspections and the authorities will say, hey, you know, these documents have to be secured in a certain way or you have to do this or you have to do that as guidance before they get entered into the presidential library that, of course, Trump is building, which every former president does. So because of that, there are oftentimes multiple occasions where the FBI or the appropriate authorities come in and say, you're not securing these documents good enough. Here's our recommendation to secure them better. And oftentimes they will provide a temporary solution while a permanent solution is being worked out. Okay. This happens frequently. So that's what happened in June. They came in. They didn't like the way that these documents were being secured. The FBI put their own padlock on the room. The, the Trump team had their padlock on the room. The FBI put their own padlock on the room. And the FBI had to cut their own padlock off of the room to get into the room to take the documents that they said weren't secure that they secured back in June. But again, back in October of 2020, Trump made this announcement, okay? I want to go ahead and play you some audio here. Go ahead and cue up my audio, please. This is Alina Habba. This is one of Trump's attorneys. She was with him in New York when he got word of the raid. And again, Eric Trump, his son, called him and told him what was going on. Exclusively. So, Alina, were you with the president when he found out about this raid? I was. What was, was the reaction? Honestly, I think he was calmer than you would expect because there is never a dull moment in his life. This man, I don't know how he wakes up every day. He is consistently under siege, but this one took it to a whole new level. So the lawyers for the president have been dealing with the feds over handing documents over that the National Archives has been whining about. Why all of a sudden did men with guns show up? The question is a great one. Uh, the reason we nobody can figure it out is because there is no answer. What has happened is completely unconstitutional. It's a violation of the democracy that we have created. They are the people supposed to be defending the democracy, and instead they are destroying it. Our country should be terrified. I am terrified. I can tell you that he was not only working with them, he was cooperating, there was nothing to hide, and he was working in tandem, allowed them into Mar-a-Lago, and the point is they went in when he wasn't even there, and then told his attorneys to leave. They couldn't even be on premises. That doesn't sound good to me. Yeah, that's problematic, uh, because usually the legal counsel for the target of a raid or investigation or the execution of a search warrant Usually their legal counsel is allowed to stay if they're not present. And remember, the, they intentionally launched this raid, which they're refusing to call a raid because they don't like the, the way that the optics look. And they look bad because, well, this is bad. But they intentionally launched this raid on Mar-a-Lago when Trump was not in town, allegedly, according to insiders, to deny Trump a photo opportunity and to try and make this low profile. And th- this just goes the hubris that we're dealing with here. So... The idea that you can go in there and deny legal counsel the right to observe on behalf of their client while their client's private property is being searched, that is legally problematic. So you're going to start to see a lot of hay about this going forward. A friendly reminder, they broke into Trump's private safe. There was nothing in there. And they rifled through Melania's underwear drawer. 
And this is, again, things that optically don't look very good. So now we have another of Trump's attorneys. This is Christina Bob. And she went on, who was this? Oh, this is the Right Side Broadcasting Network. This is Trump's broadcasting network. Um, she went on to kind of explain this. She was not the one that was with him. She is another attorney for President Trump. Committed. There are no crimes here. Uh, no president has ever been prosecuted for something that they've removed from the White House on their way out of office. This is completely unprecedented. Uh, you know, Hillary Clinton got an email saying you need to return the $200,000 worth of whatever furniture and, and goods that you took from the White House. There's no, there's no prosecuting. So I think this is clearly a, a situation where they're looking for a way that they can easily prosecute President Trump. They want to do it under a national security type guise because they can hide things from the public and they can say, oh, we can't tell you, we can't give you the details because it's privileged or it's confidential information subject to national security concerns. So we can't tell you, but we're just going to prosecute the most famous or sorry, most popular president and probably most famous president in American history. So uh, it's, you know, cloak and dagger. They're trying to shield what they're doing and prevent the American public from really understanding it. Now, there's been a retort to that by left-wing individuals, which is, well, you know, if um, if Trump wants everybody to know what the warrant says, he has the warrant, so why doesn't he release the warrant? The problem is that Trump doesn't have the warrant. He was never given the warrant. He was never given the warrant. His lawyer, by the way, was shown the warrant from 10 feet away, and then the lawyer was kicked out of Mar-a-Lago. So Trump doesn't even have a copy of the warrant. But you've got all of these never-Trumpers out there on social media going, well, if we really want to see it, because Trump's out there saying, like, look, why don't they just show everybody what the warrant is? Come on, why, why the secrecy? Why hide the warrant? There's some leaks that have gotten out from FBI insiders that are getting into the press, but... Why won't why won't the FBI just release the warrant so we can all see that they were targeting that safe and that safe was empty? Because that's really the crux of this. The spy that they had in Mar-a-Lago said that these documents were being kept in the safe and they opened the safe and the safe was empty. So where's the documents that their spy says were at Mar-a-Lago? Now, of course, they, they got a little embarrassed. The FBI screwed up here. They know they screwed up. And that's why they're not releasing this warrant. But the retort to that is, well, Trump has the warrant. He can release it. The problem is that his legal team says they never gave us a copy of the warrant. The lawyers were on premise, were shown the warrant from 10 feet away. They were then escorted away from the property. They were kicked out of Mar-a-Lago. They were not allowed to observe. Again, legally problematic. Trump does not have a copy of the warrant. So even if he had it, he couldn't release it because he doesn't have it. That didn't come out right. He can't release it because he doesn't have it. Not even if he had it because he obviously doesn't have it. So... This is where this is where we're at, because everything everything is a is about making him look bad. Uh, somebody on the live stream said, "If you're not watching Jesse Waters right now, you're missing out." That is true, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to play you a clip of Jesse Waters here in a minute, nuking Senator Lindsey Graham, nuking him. We're going to play that coming up. News Talk 95.3 Michigan's News Channel, also filling in for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 Wawa 107.5 FM. Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here for Nutrition HQ. I've been telling you about creatine a lot lately. Um, I use the Sweat Ethic variety over at Nutrition HQ. Here's the thing. In the past, for a lot of you, maybe you tried creatine in the past. In the past, creatine has had like a very high sugar content and is overly sweet, so sweet that it would burn your throat sometimes. And that was believed that that would deliver creatine in your system a lot better 
and it would be better, you know, have a better effect. Uh, we know that that's not not necessarily true now. If you take creatine with maybe some juice or something like that, you can get some minimal extra benefits, but it's really not all that important. So if you get sweat ethic creatine, this is creatine has no flavor, instantly dissolves in, in all liquids, and you are able to actually dry scoop it. Now, dry scoop means you actually just scoop it up, you put it on your tongue, you don't actually mix it in anything. And it will dissolve, and you can swallow it, and it has no nasty flavors or textures or anything like that. It's a really, really solid and very creamy product. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, some of the benefits of creatine, obviously, they help uh, muscle cells produce more energy. They help muscle building, but they also support all sorts of things, including mental focus and performance. And creatine is good for people of all ages, including the elderly and even kids. And it's on something that's not on the banned list if you're an athlete. Go to Nutrition HQ, pick up some creatine today. I use the Sweat Ethic variety, but they have many different varieties to choose from. But I do highly recommend that. You get a discount for being a listener of this show. You can also shop online at nhqsb.com. Use promo code KC20. All right, so I want to play you this this clip here. Jesse Waters is, um, he's become based. Jesse Waters was, um, you know, kind of watered down over the years, but entertaining. You know, he's based now. He's got his own show, and he's just become based. I don't know how else to say it. So he had Lindsey Graham on his show. Senator Lindsey Graham is somebody that I'm not a big fan of, and I haven't been forever, and for various reasons, even when Lindsey Graham became kind of hysterical and funny when uh, Trump was president. But this is not somebody that you can trust. And I've, I've mentioned this many, many times. So this is an exchange that happened with Jesse Waters and Senator Graham. Why they had to raid President Trump's home 90 days before an election. Yeah, you know, and I love having you on, Lindsay. You know, you and I have debated about things. And I've seen you pretty spitting mad over Ukraine. But I, you, you don't seem as mad as you were about this than you've been <laughs> mad about Ukraine. I don't understand why people aren't lighting their hair on fire. I don't understand why people aren't well, out what? in the streets. Yeah. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, let's just see what's yeah. in the warrant. I mean, they've been doing this. This is yeah. the third election. This is the third election. We know they well, doctor Jesse, evidence. We know they yeah. plant evidence. Yeah, sure. We know they hide yeah. evidence. We know they lie. We know they leak. I mean, this is not anything new. This has been, this has been years they've been doing this. We can't just say, oh, yeah. you know, we're waiting for the guy to come out and, and give a statement about what is predicated. I mean, what? These people are out of control, Senator. This country yeah. is at, like, well, we're on the edge of a cliff, man. I'm telling you, this country is at the edge yeah. of a cliff here. Flashpoints. That's what I've been saying before. This is my biggest concern. Flashpoints. And some people believe that they're trying to intentionally create a flashpoint. For the record, anybody who's posting online who's like, pick up your guns and go shoot people now and... Those are probably Ray Epps in disguise. Those are feds telling you to go do stuff because they want to arrest you. But this is a this is a real flashpoint here. And don't think for a second that if they bring charges, if they find something, that if they bring charges, don't think for a second that things are going to settle down. Things are going to get worse. Why? Because the FBI's never cared about other people doing it, including Hillary. Obama destroyed thousands of records, never raided, never prosecuted. People are going to see the double standard. Had they consistently, this is why I said earlier, had they consistently taken a stance 
on records when a president leaves like this, then we could all sit back and go, okay, is there actually anything illegal here? I mean, this, they kind of do this with everybody. Maybe it's just a common thing, whatever. Uh, but they haven't. They have intentionally allowed everybody else to go. But they're going after him. And as I said earlier, you know, there are plenty of constitutional legal scholars that are saying, look, the mere act of the president taking a document out of the White House could be in and of itself a declassification. Because he's the arbiter of what is and is not classified. So if he has documents in his possession, he leaves the White House with it. It de facto becomes declassified. So they're the constitutional lawyers, not me. So here are the Republicans who voted to confirm Merrick Garland. I just want to remind everybody here. Remember, Merrick Garland was the moderate Supreme Court nominee. Boy, did we dodge a bullet there. Wow. Roy Blunt of Missouri. Richard Burr, North Carolina. Shelley Moore, uh, capital of West Virginia. Bill Cassidy, Louisiana. Susan Collins of Maine. John Cornyn of Texas. Joni Ernst of Iowa. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Chuck Grasley of Iowa. Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. James Langford of Oklahoma. Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. Jerry Moran of Kansas. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Rob Portman of Ohio. Mitt Romney of Utah. Mike Rounds of South Dakota. John Thune of South Dakota. And Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Every single one of them took the position that we're going to de-escalate. We're going to de-escalate and we're just going to, you know, we're going to go along. We're going to be nice and everything will calm down. And here's the problem. This goes back to what I said before um, to quote the report on on uh, Al-Qaeda. They were at war with us. We were not at war with them. Radical leftists in, in this country are at war with you. They're at war with people like Trump and not just Trump. They're at war with Republicans and conservatives and moderates and libertarians. They're at war with with uh, your standard traditional Democrat. They're at war with them. And everybody's just like, well, you know, we're not really going to push any of these issues because we just don't want to we don't want to go off the edge of the cliff. Well, it's funny. Playing nice is getting you closer to the cliff. It's not pulling you back from the cliff. Caesar's Rubicon is very, very real. And this is one of those moments. I'm going to put a lot of other stuff in the Daily Show prep today. We're done with this topic for right now. we got to talk about a lot of other things, including tactical bras. We'll lighten it up a little bit because, um, you know, uh, chesticles need tactical something or others while they go into combat. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But remember, bras are not just for the ladies anymore. Bras are for everybody. So we'll, we'll get into the tactical bras and all of that stuff coming up. It's a real thing, and your taxpayer dollars are paying for it. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the Host, and you can follow me on Truth Social at Casey the Host. More coming up next. All right, before we get into the tactical combat bra, because... <clears throat> uh, you all need one. couple of things, just real quick. Kevin McCarthy has announced that Merrick Garland is under investigation, ordering him to preserve his documents and clear his calendar. I believe when I see it, uh, Representative Scott Perry last night says the FBI seized his cell phone after the Mar-a-Lago raid. And how effective is the January 6th hearing? Hmm. Voters uh, now believe after the January 6th hearing that Trump is less responsible for January 6th than prior to the hearing. So, yeah, that's it's going swimmingly well for them. All right. Let's talk about tactical bras, shall we? 
As part of the military's ongoing effort to accommodate soldiers of all shapes and sizes, the U.S. Army is in the process of developing the Army Tactical Brazier, or ATB. Why, why did you pass up the opportunity to call it the Moab? Like, you had a perfect opportunity, okay? Somebody over in the Army has a sense of humor. I'm a veteran. Every veteran knows this, this is a golden opportunity. You could have called it the Moab, okay? But you chose not to. Prototypes are currently undergoing testing at the Army's Combat Capabilities Development Command Soldier Center, DEVCOM. Okay, here's, uh, here's DEVCOM's official tweet about this. It all began with a female soldier survey about functionality and preferences. See DEVCOM's work on the Army Tactical Brazier. They're even using the full word Brazier. Uh, okay, uh, there's an article published in the Army Times about this. The ATB design and development process kicked off with a soldier-centric survey administered through soldier touchpoints. Soldier touchpoints, which sounds, by the way, like this is a form of uh, sexual harassment. Soldier touchpoints? You can't call something like that anymore. If we, had, if we had anything dealing with intimate garments in, in a male world, okay, that was called touch points, somebody would be brought up on charges somewhere. It's designed to assess whether new high-impact sports brassiere concepts developed as a part of the Army Tactical Brassiere Program would provide optimum support, durability, and comfort for combat and training use. The overall goal is to produce garments that not only protect the user, but reduce the cognitive burden on the female soldier caused by discomfort and ill fit. That is according to, and I kid you not, Ashley Cushion. <laughs> if you don't think that's funny, okay, you got no sense of humor. Achieving this will improve the soldiers' overall readiness and performance levels, allowing them to focus on their mission, she explained. So, good news. Uh, female soldiers have been so worried about their chesticles that they have not been focusing on their mission. So, that's what I read from that. Uh, we need a new bra so that way ladies can focus on the mission instead of worrying about their bra. Cool. Now do underwear for the guys. Men, if you've got, if you're a veteran and you've got somebody near you, kindly explain to them the crap that they issue to you as underwear when you join the military and the chafing involved in all of that and how that hinders performance issues. Where is the, the tactical version of boxer briefs? Where's that? I mean, there's actually a, a line of underwear right now, several, but one in particular uh, that is pretty innovative that is on the market right now that is developed by a combat veteran because of his experiences in the desert. And it has, uh, we'll call it various compartments for various uh, bits and pieces, okay? Uh, it keeps everything separated. <laughs> so, so the swamp is less likely to, uh, to uh, develop all right. But he had to go do this after he got out of the military in the private sector. It, 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 right now, here's the thing. You got a bunch of veterans laughing hysterically right now. And if you're sitting there in an office and you're listening to this show and there's a guy three cubicles away laughing, he's listening to what I'm saying because he knows exactly what I am saying. Okay. This is, 
<laughs> the underwear you get when you join the military is inhumane at best. But women get a tactical brassiere because ladies, being so fragile, are not able to focus on their mission because their chesticles are not comfortable. Really? That's that's the that's the line of thinking we're going with here, huh? Oh my word. This is almost as bad as Politico launching Pete Buttigieg's presidential campaign by lying about him being a combat veteran, him hitting a pothole while they were in the car with him, and saying that he had flashbacks to Afghanistan because he had PTSD, which Politico did, and it's not true. But if it was true, yeah, if you're suffering from PTSD and you can't go over a pothole in the city known for potholes in South Bend, Indiana, then you probably shouldn't be running for commander-in-chief. You're not ready yet. The prototypes were then designed and with integration into existing uniforms and body armor in mind as per touchpoints. Again, highly inappropriate title. This means that designers are evaluating options such as the inclusion of flame-retardant fabrics and expertly layered compression. Guys, I don't know about the rest of you, but I could have definitely used some flame-retardant fabrics and layered compression. But that didn't happen for me. Didn't happen for any of you either. <laughs> Ladies, if uh, if your man is a veteran or your brother or whatever is a veteran, ask him, ask him about the open wound that he had on the inside of his thigh for the first several weeks of basic training or boot camp. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Now, we're going to get into the more important stuff uh, for, for guys as well that is not being addressed at all because, you know, the military is all about the ladies now. Uh, let's see, layered, expertly layered compression, structural and protective materials while also taking into account the importance of accurate sizing, reliable comfort, moisture management, and breathability. Yeah, guys don't need moisture management at all. Not at all while they're carrying the lady's rucksack after mile three because the lady is struggling to carry her rucksack. <clears throat> I know it's not all ladies. It's personal experience. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, yeah, it's, look, I know. Ladies, you keep sucking down uh, whole milk with hormones in it. Trust me, you'll get there. You'll, you'll be strong enough to do this. It'll be okay. But <sighs> look, I'm just telling you, we had to put up the pup tents for all the ladies when I was in the military because they couldn't lift them wasn't because they didn't know how to do it. They knew how to do it. They couldn't lift them. So we had to do it. Because it's not like we wanted to eat or anything, you know, after an entire day of, you know, doing stuff. <sighs> My word. The four ATB prototypes currently undergoing evaluation include pullover, front zip styles featuring sports bra style or cross back straps, contouring, seaming, and varying levels of compression. Oh my! Uh, I feel like I, I feel like uh, Austin Powers and the spy who who shagged me could be could be very very beneficial here because they they actually had a tactical combat bra uh, in that movie series. If you remember, uh, the ladies actually had you know guns installed in the uh, the the front of the the bra without giving too much away. Um, and that, I feel like that would be an appropriate addition for the ladies in our military to have uh, some form of 
uh, chesticle projectile that, you know, uh, face like this this side face enemy. You know, that's sort of just have that on the front of the, the broad, just so nobody got confused. And then you could go ahead and, and worry about the compression stuff after that, but only after ammo capacity uh, has been evaluated appropriately. So it's good. Look, I, look, I get it. You, you, a bunch of ladies out there going, no, 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 seriously, we need, we need good tactical bras. Honestly, we really do. I believe you. All I'm saying is nobody gives a rip about the guys who clearly need some advancements in technology down below. Where's our high-capacity tactical boxer briefs? We don't have any high-capacity tactical boxer briefs because our suffering means nothing to anybody else while we go leaps and bounds making sure the ladies are comfortable in combat so that way they can actually finally be able to focus on the mission and their job. According to, not me, that's not according to me, that is according to the designer in the Army Tactical Brazier program. That's not me saying that. I would never say that ladies who join the military are so soft that they would not be able to focus on their mission because their bra was uncomfortable. That's ridiculous, but also funny. They're the ones that are saying it. I'm not saying it. They said it. Don't get mad at me, okay? Don't get butt hurt at me. Don't get your tactical compression bras in a bunch over me. They said it, not I, okay? They're the ones telling you and the rest of the world that women can't focus on their job in the military because their chest is uncomfortable. If that's a real problem, we might need to reevaluate enlistment requirements, don't you think? Like mastectomies or something like that if you're going to join. If it's really that big of an issue. Or I guess you could just, you know, use taxpayer dollars and develop a tactical bra, which... Honestly, I'm looking at all four prototypes here. They, they, they look like the same stuff that I can go to a Walmart and get, but I digress. <clears throat> it's, just, uh, it's just me. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News. Sorry, Pat. Uh, we got to, what is it, Wednesday? Is it Wednesday today? We got to Wednesday before our first sorry, Pat. So sorry, Pat. <laughs> got more coming up. 95.3 MNC and also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190-1075 FM. Once again, I want to remind everybody that Gretchen Whitmer has COVID. She says she's not dying, so that's good news. Dana Lessel. Did I say Lessel? Dana Nessel. Sorry. I have a cotton mouth. Dana Nessel is the Attorney General for Michigan, currently People's Republic of. Dana Nessel is, I don't know how many people, I know that people in Michigan understand this very, very well. I don't know how many people in the Fort Wayne audience understand how tyrannical and dictatorial Gretchen Whitmer and her administration are. And at the helm of that, her right-hand tyrant is Dana Nessel, the attorney general. Dana Nessel also happens to be the individual who said that she wished she had invested in sex dolls and had divested her 401k into that industry. Um, She's said a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense for a public official to say, and she is routinely and actively pursuing Republicans and charging them with crimes or threatening to charge them with crimes. And it has happened again. It has happened again. On Monday, it was revealed that Michigan's lawless Democrat Attorney General Dana Nessel was attempting to shop around in Oakland, Oakland County, Michigan. 
for a special prosecutor. Now, this shopping around for a special prosecutor was trying to find somebody who would agree to go after her political opponent, the Trump-endorsed constitutional attorney, Matt DiPerno. Now, that is, uh, of course, Matt's going to come up for uh, the election in uh, 2022, later this year, November. Today, during an interview on WJR 760, Matt DiPerno suggested that Dana Nessel could be charged with a huge FEC violation for using taxpayer money to smear a political opponent during a campaign. So again, she's running against him and she is shopping around for a special prosecutor to go after her political opponent. Keep in mind, Dana Nessel has gone after political opponents of Gretchen Whitmer at least three times directly that I'm aware of and she's threatened several more. Most recently, before all of this happened, she actually threatened political opponents of Gretchen Whitmer um, with crimes before the gubernatorial elections. On April 2nd, during a speech by Michigan Republican Secretary of State candidate Christina Karama, who we've had on this show at a Trump rally in Washington, Michigan, Nessel also threatened the young, she happens to be a black female Republican, by the way, hoping to unseat Nessel's far-left Democrat friend, Jocelyn Benson, who is another tyrant. The triumvirate triumvirate of evil in Michigan is Gretchen Whitmer, Dana Nessel, and of course, Jocelyn Benson. Those are the three really bad ones in the state of Michigan. They basically run the entire state. While Karamo repeatedly brought the huge crowd to their feet with her barn burner speech, and she is fantastic, by the way, Michigan's lawless Democrat Attorney General Dana Nessel was hosting a Facebook watch party with two of her Democrat friends, Michigan State Senator Jeff Irwin and Ingram County Clerk Barb Byram. As the trio sat and watched Christina Caramo in real time, Michigan's top law enforcement officer, Dana Nessel, threatened her with criminal action for calling out Michigan Democrat Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson for threatening and accusing anyone who had legitimate questions about the results of the 2020 election of lying or pushing disinformation. Now, I want to remind everybody, what, regardless of what you think about what happened in Michigan, there are hundreds of people who work the election who signed sworn affidavits under penalty of arrest that they witnessed fraud happening in Wayne County. Now, sure, theoretically, they could all be risking jail time to lie, but more likely than not, they witnessed something that they believed to be fraud and they signed and attested to that. Michigan Dem Senator Jeff Irwin helped Nestle to set the stage for her threat by suggesting the wildly popular Michigan GOP candidate, Christina Caramo, should expect to be held accountable for pushing lies about the election of 2020. Michigan Democrat AG Dana Nessel jumped in to inform her co-host, Senator Jeff Irwin, in front of her uh, audience that there's actually more to it than that. Nessel threatened, quote, and that's and that's that when you disseminate disinformation in a way that would cause a person to be deterred from voting. It's an actual felony. Really? Oh, Dana Nessel is saying that you can deter somebody from voting and it's a felony by saying something that isn't true wow dana nessel's in trouble then instead of challenging her the uh, democrat senator shook his head in agreement as nessel's lapdog clerk friend barb byram smirked oh wow so here's dana nessel once again threatening political opponents with criminal 
charges. <laughs> yeah, Casey, you're a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist if you keep saying that they're they're tyrannical in the state of Michigan. Yeah, I know. The, the people who wouldn't let you grow a garden during COVID. I'm the conspiracy theorist. Got it. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller. News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. You can uh, find me online at btmedia.news. btmedia.news. News, And uh, we got a free social network over there for the audience. Not designed to compete with, you know, Facebook, Twitter, True Social, or anything like that. It's just designed to be a social network for my audience. A lot of people don't like Discord, and they'd rather have something a little bit more traditional social media formatics. Uh, so I built a free social network. You know, the Federalist has launched their own social network, and they charge you for it. Uh, the Babylon Bees, not the Bee, which is their real news division, has started their own social network, and they charge for it. And mine is free. So... You can come hang out with us and post whatever you want, form your own groups, make your own friends, private messaging, all of that stuff. Uh, it's a blast. Uh, certainly hope that you will join us over there. And, of course, you get the Daily Show Prep podcasts, live stream, and more on the website. You can follow me on Truth Social, uh, which is my preferred social media platform along with Telegram, but Truth Social and Telegram at Casey, the host. Uh, but Truth Social is the primary one that I would like you to follow. So I was announcing on the live stream a little bit earlier today that uh, I have been cultivating a relationship with News Nation. And News Nation has uh, invited me to be on a panel. And I will be on that panel tomorrow evening after the show. I'll be on, the first hit will happen about 6.12 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll be on a panel talking about the FBI raid, teacher shortage, and unpaid internships uh, in the high inflation market that we have right now. So I'll be on with several other people, and uh, hopefully you will uh, tune in, and I won't embarrass myself, so it'll be nice. But uh, News Nation has been, it's been pretty cool because we actually, we started getting the request for News Nation, unfortunately, because of the tragic death of Representative Jackie Wilorski. And I have an announcement about that here in just a second. Um, but with that, um, you know, they they asked me to come on, I, I did a hit with them, and did a hit with several others, and... Um, you know, made mention that they might be interested in having me for panels, and I told them that I would be happy to uh, to do those panels, and they have invited me for those panels. So that is happening. So I'm looking forward to it tomorrow at 12, excuse me, 6.12 p.m. Eastern time after the show. So earlier today, um, I got the announcement that we are going to carry the funeral service for Representative Jackie Wilarski. It will begin at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, we are going to carry that here on 95.3 MNC. And if you can't be there in person, uh, you will have the ability to listen to that here on 95.3 MNC at 11 o'clock tomorrow. We will carry that funeral service. I will be at Zach's funeral uh, this weekend. Emma uh, just had hers today. So it's um, it's it's been tough, but we're we're getting through it and... You know, it's like I said, just if you know the uh, the loved ones, surround them with as much support as you possibly can. There is a hearing that has been delayed for a vegan woman. This is in Fort Myers, Florida. And I've done too many of these stories, frankly, over my career. 
to count. I, I despise them, but they unfortunately come up with some regularity. A vegan woman has been convicted of murdering uh, her kids, her youngest son, I should say, in uh, for malnutrition. Sheila O'Leary, 38 years old, whose family followed a strict vegan diet, was convicted in June on six charges, first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, child abuse, and two counts of child neglect in the death of Ezra O'Leary. Her sentencing was postponed on Monday to August 15th. Her husband, Ryan Patrick O'Leary, faces trial on the same charges this month. Investigators said that the couple told them the family ate only raw fruits and vegetables, although the toddler was also fed breast milk. The boy weighed just 17 pounds and was the size of a seven-month-old baby, according to uh, authorities. So that this is the type of thing that, you know, if you want to have a, a lifestyle, if you want to have a specific diet, if you want to live a certain way, for whatever reason that is, okay, that is fine. I don't judge anybody. I, I don't care. I don't care if you, you know, eat fast food and Twinkies all day long. If it makes you happy and you're genuinely happy, do what makes you happy. In that circumstance, all I ask is that you not pretend that you're healthy. You're not. You know, it's, it's um, I, I have still some extra COVID weight I'm losing, but I still have some extra COVID weight. I'm not healthy right now. I'm not obese, but I'm not healthy. And it's going to take effort to continue to get that down. I'm going to continue to work at that. I hope that many people do. I've never known anybody, and I know that there's there's always an exception to the rule, but I've never known anybody who lost weight and was upset about it. And I'm talking about obviously not a not a an illness situation or a mal malnourished situation. I'm talking about somebody who just was overweight and now they're not anymore. I've never met anybody who is not happy about that progress. But if you want to live your life because that's what's important to you that way, that's fine. I I respect that. That is your life. It is your your choice to make. If you're somebody who only eats meats, um, I've been on the carnivore diet a couple of times, had massive success on that, um, and was almost down to my walking around weight when I was fighting, almost right before COVID hit. Um, so this is, you know, it's a special diet. It's great for some people. It's not great for others. There is no one size fits all diet. That's just not the case. You know, if um, if you're just talking about your average common denominator, you know, reducing your caloric and carbohydrate intake will work on most people. But everybody has different biology, right? So not everything works for everybody. But this notion that when you have a child, particularly a baby, that requires nutrition that is not good for adults, but is necessary for a growing child, and you would deny them that under the, the false premise that somehow it's unhealthy. There's no excuse for that. And yet we continue to have regular stories of people doing this. And for the record, there are people who go the other way. And their children are obese. And their kids, you know, are constantly eating sweets and stuff all day, every day. And now you're putting you're putting that child on track for, you know, diabetes and heart issues and growth problems and bone issues and everything else. And that's not okay either. It was interesting because when I when I went on the carnivore diet, I went on the carnivore diet specifically because my body one does really well with a low carb diet, always has. 
Um, but the other thing is that I have digestive issues and it's an elimination diet. And the point was to kind of figure out what's messing with me. That's why I did it. Now, a lot of people who go on the carnivore diet end up staying on the carnivore diet because they don't have any cravings. They're, they're completely satiated and, and they feel great. And the research is that it's totally safe long-term. Uh, there's initial skepticism about that, but the research shows that it's totally safe long-term. So a lot of people end up staying on it, or at least a modified version of it long-term. Um, my goal was to figure out what the heck was messing with me and see how I felt on it. But the, it was really weird because I went on that, and one of the first things that came up from some people is like, oh, you're, you're going to still feed your kids like vegetables and stuff. I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I? <laughs> of course, like, I know that they need vegetables. I get that. Yeah, of course. I'm going to feed my kids normal food. That's, you know, the idea that, that an adult who goes on a special diet would then force that diet upon their kid is ridiculous. But it happens with regularity. This woman killed her child. There's no other way around it. She and her husband are radical vegans who killed their kid. They were looking at their kid. They could see that their kid wasn't healthy. They chose to buy into the mantra, and they continued to kill their child. And you could argue that it was not intentional all you want, but every parent knows when their kid doesn't look right. And if you're looking at your child and they're underweight, there is a problem that has to be dealt with. If they're overweight, extremely overweight, because kids can be a little chunky, but if they're extremely overweight, what do you do? You go to the doctor, I'm like, okay, how's the weight? Is it okay? Doctor does some assessments and says, look, they're within these, these margins. This is, you know, stuff that's going to go away, baby fat, you know, that sort of thing. They're fine. If it gets beyond that, they'll tell you, nope, you need to scale back. You're doing something wrong. Parents who ignore that are 100% liable in what they have been doing to their kids. I know people who still feed their dogs vegan diets and all this. Your dog is not meant to have a vegan diet. Now, there's going to inevitably be one person out there who says, my dog does great on a vegan diet. Okay, you have one dog in 10 million who may be okay with a vegan diet. The vast majority of them are not going to be okay with it. One of, the, one of the things that I love seeing is because people buy this, it is a religion. Okay, let's just be honest. It's a cult. They buy into this so much, they will actually go on television. And they will tell people, no, my dog prefers vegan food. Have you offered your dog a steak lately? And then what ends up happening, right, inevitably? You've all seen these shows, right? The hosts, they know what they're doing. They bring out the normal food that the dog eats that is supposed to be the greatest thing the dog loves more than anything else in the world, right? And then they actually bring out, like, you know, real food that a dog normally would eat. And they let the dog decide which one it wants to eat. Does the dog ever go for the vegan food? Never goes for the vegan food, does it? Not once, never does it, because it doesn't want to eat it. It will eat it to survive, but it's not its preference. And like I said, if you, if you believe that a vegan diet is good for you, that's great. Be a vegan. Stop telling everybody you're a vegan because we're tired of hearing about it, but if you want to be a vegan, be a vegan. Don't thrust this upon your children because you're buying into some warped, nonsensical lie. Because this is the type of stuff that happens. Now, occasionally, you will run into somebody who tries this, like, I'm going to see if it works for my kid. And they start seeing it's not working for the kid, and they immediately change. And that's okay. But it got to the point that this child is horrendously underweight. And they still continued to do it. Let them rot.
let them rot. More coming up. 95.3 MNC and filling in for Pat Miller. News Talk 1190. WOA 107.5 FM. Well, here it comes. Casey Hendrickson here, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM. By the way, uh, hello to you know who you are, who is uh, listening to the program, spying on me. New Orleans School District will require COVID vaccines for students aged five and older. Here it comes. Most school districts across the nation have scrapped vaccine mandates, but the school districts of Washington, D.C. and New Orleans plan to keep them for the 2022-2023 school year. The policy will ultimately bar thousands of children from attending in-person classes. Yeah, and then nice. In Washington, D.C., the mandate applies to students 12 and older and requires a booster in addition to the initial two-shot dose, so three shots total. New Orleans will be maintaining an even stricter mandate, which requires vaccination for children aged five and up. Neither city will be providing exemptions for natural immunity. Now, if you know the literature and the scientific research, if you have natural immunity, getting vaccinated actually dwindles your natural immunity over a couple of months. So you actually have less protection with the vaccine after you had natural immunity than if you just kept your natural immunity by itself. The city's plan to move forward with the mandates despite long-documented evidence that the vaccines do not prevent the spread of COVID-19. And again, they don't prevent the spread of COVID-19. Even the the CEO of Pfizer has admitted that his product is terrible at doing that. And he's also admitted that the boosters only last about two months. And after that, they're just not effective. Additional studies and infection data have demonstrated that children are at lower risk of developing serious complications from the disease When compared with adults, I would also like to point out that numerous, not one, not two, numerous actual studies, clinical trials, okay, not just somebody said something from a simple lab result, clinical trials actually show that the serious side effects of the vaccines for kids, although rare, is a higher risk than any serious side effect from COVID. So you are essentially playing with fire when you get your kid the vaccine. Now, I'm talking about healthy children, not kids with a comorbidity. Just for clarification, because there's always one Trisha out there. Now, there is a viral video, which I can't play for you. There's a viral video going around of the rage, absolute rage, of a father towards a pharmacist. Now, the reason for that is his seven-year-old got vaccinated. And his seven-year-old is now hospitalized with myocarditis. And it doesn't matter what the CDC tells you. It doesn't matter what Fauci, who got booed at the Yankees game, tells you. It doesn't matter what any of the Trishas of the world and the fake doctors and everything else you don't see patients tell you. The reality is myocarditis is not normal for seven-year-olds to get. And there's a reason that the CDC is trying to steer that narrative with that piece that they published what, six months ago Oh, look, everybody's open and is susceptible to myocarditis now. Yeah, no, that has historically not been the case. We went over the historical numbers from the NIH and the CDC and every other data set that you can get. That is not true. Period. End of story. It's just not true. 
So when a seven-year-old develops myocarditis after having absolutely zero health issues, and the only thing that has happened is they had the vaccine, that's because of the vaccine. Would that seven-year-old have died from COVID? Almost certainly not. Could he die from myocarditis? Yep. If he lives, will he have to face the consequences of dealing with that illness for the rest of his life? Yep. We have several young athletes who are Olympians who can no longer compete in their sport because they developed myocarditis after getting vaccinated. So, as I've said before, this is an assessment that you have to make on your own. If you have comorbidities, if your child has comorbidities, um, that is a decision that you have to make. There is a weighing of risk that you have to determine. Okay, And it's that way with any medical treatment or any medication. There is always a weight of risk. So you have to evaluate the risk of the possibility of a serious side effect, which could endanger an individual by getting COVID, the current iterations of COVID, versus the potential dangers of the vaccine. And then, of course, the benefits of the vaccine. Do the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risks for that particular category of people getting the vaccine? And for children, the data has consistently from the very beginning of the pandemic, going all the way back to February of uh, 2020, has consistently said no. But that doesn't mean that children who have some form of a comorbidity couldn't stand to benefit because they might be seriously at risk if a COVID infection actually does happen. But for the vast majority of people and healthy children, this is a this is a serious risk that you're potentially going to have to take. I will put the video of this father uh, in the Daily Show prep just so you can see. But parents, just like those vegans who allowed their cult-like mentality to kill their child, don't let a cult-like mentality devoid of reason and science lead you down that same path go to btmedia.news btmedia.news you can also go to truth social at casey the host rumble.com slash casey the host and you can follow me pretty much anywhere at casey the host except for twitter because you know forget that place we got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel also covering for pat miller on news talk 1190 wo 107.5 fm Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller this week on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. All right. Uh, we will get into an analysis of the new taxes that the Biden administration wants to give you. I've got a bit of a breaking story in Indiana. An Indiana school has been stopped from protecting girls' sports from biological males after a court cited new changes to Title IX. An Indiana federal court has placed a preliminary injunction on a school district after they ruled that the district, in enforcing the state's ban on biological males competing in female sports, discriminated against a young transgender student and would cause the student harm. So, activists judge much. The motion filed on behalf of a 10-year-old transgender student identified only as AM by the student's mother 
was filed against Indianapolis public schools as well as the superintendent of the district. In May, the Indiana legislature overturned Governor Holcomb's March veto of the bill. The legislation, Indiana Code 2033-134, bars biological males as determined by a student's birth sex from competing against biological females in sports. Also known as common sense and the chinless, Mr. Holcomb, is weak. The legislation lays out that there will be a male, female, and co-ed team and took effect on July 1st, which again, there you go. Co-ed, you can be whatever you want. You can still play. In the court document, it states that A.M. is a 10-year-old transgender student who said at the age of four that the student is a girl, not a boy. In other words, uh, mom and dad wanted an accessory and wanted to be accepted in certain social circles, so they pushed this. At the age of six, the student was diagnosed with gender dysphoria by the Riley Gender Clinic. Gender dysphoria has caused A.M. to be suicidal, depressed, anxious, angry about her body, and afraid that she will not be able to be a girl, according to court documents. Thanks, Mom. Since 2018, A.M. began receiving treatment at the Gender Health Clinic at Riley Hospital in Indianapolis, and since 2021 has been taking a puberty blocker, which, for the record, the FDA now says is extremely, common sense, we already knew this, but the FDA has finally issued a statement saying, hey, puberty blockers are extremely dangerous for children. No kidding! The court document states that in 2021, AM's birth certificate was legally changed to reflect that AM is a girl so that mom can be accepted into book clubs and be popular with her peers rather than state the birth sex of male. AM had played on her elementary school girls softball team in 2021, but following the enactment of Indiana's legislation, would no longer be allowed to play on the team with girls. AM has enjoyed playing softball, but did not appear to have a competitive advantage over other girls on the team, according to the court documents. Right. Okay, first of all, there's a couple of things here. One, does not appear to have a competitive advantage. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to require some evidence to be able to prove that. But the other thing is, we're also talking about a 10-year-old. And 10-year-old biological uh, females develop faster than 10-year-old biological males and then there comes a point where puberty hits that that dramatically changes in fact she was one of the weaker athletes on the team yes because of biology which changes at a later date playing softball helps to lessen the distressing symptoms of gender dysphoria that am suffers from and has allowed her to experience her life more fully as a girl softball participation has resulted in a better self-image and confidence for am okay so the mom is basically saying that because their kid was being forced off of the girls' team, that it would undermine her core identity. Okay? The law is the law. Play on the co-ed team. On the co-ed team, you can be whatever you want. You want to swap genders? It's fine. If you want to swap genders every day, it's fine. You're on the co-ed team. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be on the girls' team. See? Nothing's ever good enough. I want to be able to use uh, the bathroom of the gender that I identify as. Well, I'll tell you what. That makes other people who are that gender very uncomfortable. So we're going to give you your own space where you can go to the bathroom and everybody will be fine. And you will be free from the dangers that you say exist if you go into the one that you're biologically uh, predetermined to be. That's not good enough because you're denying my identity. 
So Indiana has got this, this law, which went into place, that specifically said you're not going to allow a biological male to compete in a biological girls' league and vice versa. But you will have a co-ed league. So if you are trans, you can identify as whatever you want and still be able to play. So it's a win for everybody. But it's not good enough because now you're denying the identity of this trans girl because they can't play in the girls' league. See? This is how this always goes. Without fail. Now, what I find very interesting about this story, aside from the horrendous abuse that this poor child is suffering, Governor Holcomb straight up told all of you that this wasn't actually a problem in the state of Indiana, that there were no examples of this actually happening in the state of Indiana, in spite of the authors of the legislation's own kids having to deal with this. And yet here we have a court case in the state of Indiana proving Eric the Chinless wrong again. Uh, what else do we have here? <clears throat> the mother also stated this action would force AM to reveal that the student is transgender to other students who have only known AM as a girl as the student is addressed as such and uses the school's female facilities. Okay. That has nothing to do with athletics. Athletics is about biology, not gender. Athletics is about biology, not gender. I'm going to say this again. Athletics is about biology, not gender. They always have been. While the school has reportedly taken no position on the matter, the state argues that the statutory context of Title IX confirms that its drafters understood sex as a binary concept. Citing Whitaker and Kenosha Unified School District, the state said that the Seventh Circuit did not address the interplay between Title IX's ban on sex discrimination and its requirement that schools provide equal opportunities to girls. <laughs> According to court documents, the state further contends that Bostock involved Title VII and that the Supreme Court expressly refused to preju uh, prejudge any question about what other federal or state laws addressing sex discrimination require. Oh. Sex discrimination now. Thought it was about gender. Remember, sex and gender are two different things, except they've now changed, right? They've gotten Webster's Dictionary to change female to be fluid. Female was always biology. Male and female are biology. Woman and man, boy and girl were gender, right? That's what they've always told you. Now, they could never keep that straight. Every time they would argue with you about this, they would go back and forth between Male, female, boy, girl. They could never keep it straight themselves. And I always told you, and I know I'm not the only one, but I always told you they were going to branch this off. They were going to conflate the two because this was never about gender. And that's why they got Webster's Dictionary to change the definition of female. Weird that they didn't do it for male, though. But they changed the, the definition of female to be anybody who feels like a female that day. That's a real thing that happened just a couple of weeks ago. So now you can not just change your gender, which is supposed to be the social construct, but now you can actually change your biology, according to Webster's Dictionary. So even when you change the law, once again, you still got parents going, no, 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 it's not good enough because I, I don't want to play in a co-ed league because uh, you're still denying uh, my trans kid's identity. Nothing is ever good enough. Nothing is ever good enough.
but you're supposed to just sit there and accept it when you watch a former Special Forces operator who is a multiple-tour combat veteran and a former bodybuilder beat the tar out of a soccer mom who decided that she wanted to get fit one day in a gym and got roped into doing an MMA fight. You're supposed to sit there and go, oh, oh, she's so brave. She's so brave. I uh, saw her kill 30 people in Afghanistan. But she's so brave beating up on this woman here. Just let's all clap and, and celebrate her braveness. And you're supposed to accept that. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, MNC Newstime is 516. Also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. Ah, bird scooters are leaving Berrien County. Why is it with these electric scooters? That's in Michigan for you WoWo folks. It's uh, in one of the territories we cover in Michigan. But uh, what, what is it with the electric scooters that they don't survive in Michiana? Do they survive in, in Fort Wayne? You guys, you guys, no, they don't. They don't. That's right. I forgot Ben's from Fort Wayne too. Um, and we've got uh, Amelia's mom. Uh, Amelia from uh, from Wawa. Amelia was my producer for a while, and she does news stories for both stations. And Amelia's mom is there, so Mom of the North, we uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We call Amelia Queen of the North because she looks like Sansa Stark. Um, so yeah, it, the bird scooters are migrating, migrate. It's, like somebody really was desperate to write this headline: Bird scooters migrate out of Berrien County. All right. You had your moment. <laughs> you had your moment. So these e-scooters, they don't last. Like the Lime scooters, Lime scooters were an even bigger failure than the Lime bikes uh, in St. Joseph County. <laughs> Bird scooters are leaving St. St. Joseph, which is, you know, if you can't make an e-scooter work in St. Joseph, it's like, geez. Uh, the only place that they would be more successful is Boulder, Colorado, maybe San Francisco. I don't think you can ride an e-scooter in San Francisco with all of the the literal feces on the ground, though, now. I don't think you could. They slide everywhere. The best part about the scooters, though, is always at the beginning of the season when it first starts getting warm and then you get all of the 50 and 60-somethings getting on the scooter thinking it's going to be cool, and then they all hit the deck. Every time. Every time. So you just set up right across from one of the big e-scooter locations and you just you know have your lunch. Uh, maybe a brown bag, a, a bit of alcohol like Pete Buttigieg did in a public park in front of children in New York when he did a podcast running for president. Uh, you just go ahead and do that. And uh, if anybody bothers you about it, just go, oh, Pete Buttigieg did it. It's, it's fine if I do it. So it's totally okay. He did it in front of kids. I'm just doing it in front of people falling off of their e-scooters. But it, it is interesting. Why is it that e-scooters can't survive here? I don't know what the uh, the issue is. Probably people throwing it in the river. That's my biggest guess is that people just toss them in the river. Uh, the IRS super pinky promise swears that they are not going to use the 87,000 new agents, many of whom are going to be armed. They're not going to use them to target middle-income Americans. They promise. Scouts honor, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know, did you know, that the two brackets that get audited the most are people who make under $20,000 a year and people who make over $200,000 a year? Did you know that? Those are, the, those are who get audited the most. 
And people who make under $20,000 a year get audited because that's where most of the tax fraud happens with the earned income tax credit. Did you know that? Ah, see, the rich people in Washington, D.C. don't tell you this stuff, do they? No, of course they don't. So neither does most of the radio hosts you listen to on a regular basis. They're all rich. I'm poor. I grew up poor. Uh, It's just how it is. So they don't know these things. Now, what ends up, what's been interesting is over the past, like, five years or so, the number one category in the reduction of audits is people who make over $200,000 a year. I wonder why they're not auditing people who make over $200,000 a year anymore. I wonder why that is. Why did they stop auditing people who make over $200,000 a year? Because they keep telling you that that's the, that's the category they really need. They really need to get those millionaires and billionaires. That sort of thing, right? But they're not. They're, they're going after people who make under twenty grand. So these 87,000 new agents, uh, tens of thousands of which will be armed. By the way, these are armed agents. Of course, the IRS doesn't need armed agents, but I digress. So they're they're pinky promise. They're not going after middle-income Americans. Not at all. Sure, it's not like they just pass tax policy to make sure that middle-income Americans get dinged every time something goes into their Venmo account or anything like that. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at the Inflation Production Act and some of the taxes that are in it. Shall we? $6.5 billion natural gas tax hike. That's going to raise the price of your energy bills if you use natural gas. A $12 billion crude oil tax. That's going to raise your taxes too. $1.2 billion coal tax. That's going to raise your taxes too. Uh, $225 billion corporate income tax hike, which will be passed on to households because, again, friendly reminder, Econ 101, corporations and businesses don't pay taxes. You do. $74 billion stock tax, which will hit your nest egg, your 401ks, your IRAs, your pension plans, and what have you. Uh, 95% federal excise tax on American pharmaceutical manufacturers, which means your medications are going to get more expensive, even if there is going to be a negotiation standard for Medicare and uh, probably Medicaid, which are programs that President Trump already had in place that, that Biden killed off so he could take credit for doing something that Trump had already done, which is another Obama-esque tactic. Obama loved doing that, canceling uh, programs that Bush had done so Obama could restart them six to nine months later and claim that he's the one that did it. $52 billion income tax hike on mid-sized and family businesses. Yep. Uh, supersizing the IRS to increase audits, uh, $204 billion. And again, the IRS is pinky promise. They're not going to use them against you. Okay? Not going to use them against you at all. Not even remotely, ladies and gentlemen. You won't have to worry about it. Not one iota. Hmm. Okay. So let's let's take a look here at another analysis. Uh, Inflation Reduction Act to increase taxes on nearly all Americans. Okay. According to an analysis by the Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation, nearly all Americans would see increased taxes by 2023. The average tax rates would increase in nearly all income categories. Nearly every single one. So <clears throat> let's let's take a look at the proposal here. Um, you will have a four billion dollar tax hike on people who make less than ten grand. The one category where there is a tax reduction is people who make ten to twenty thousand dollars, which happen to be 
one of the most audited tax categories. Ah, that's so weird. F that's the only category with a tax reduction. Every other category of income from less than 10,000 all the way over a million has a tax increase. The only one where there's a reduction is 10,000 to $20,000 in income. That's it. Everybody else gets a tax hike under this proposal. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. Casey Hendrickson here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, 107.5 FM. want to remind everybody that 95.3 MNC will be carrying Representative Jackie Wilarski's funeral tomorrow starting at 11 a.m., right here on 95.3 MNC. If you are not going to attend, they're expecting over 1,500 people. Um, if you're not going to be attending, you can listen to the funeral here on 95.3 MNC. Again, that coverage starts at 11 a.m. tomorrow. All right. I want to just go over these tax brackets one more time before I tell you about how your electric vehicle might actually kill you in a natural disaster. Something I actually didn't consider. Didn't think about this. There's a new report out on that. So, the analysis that has been done by the nonpartisan Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation has analyzed the Joe Biden Inflation Production Act, and it, one, will in increase inflation because, duh, uh, two, it will raise taxes on everybody but one income bracket. And that that's not including all of the other taxes on your power bill and everything else that I already explained, Okay. So we are simply talking about your tax category for 2023. If you make between ten dollars and $20,000, congratulations, you're the only tax bracket in the country that gets a slight tax reduction. All right? Everybody else, those who make under ten grand, you have an increase in taxes. Between twenty and thirty thousand increase, thirty and forty thousand increase. From forty thousand all the way up over a million, you all get a tax increase. The bracket with the highest tax increase, twenty five percent, is one hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollar income earners. Okay, so that is the biggest tax increase bracket of all of them. Uh, people who make so it's a twenty five percent tax increase there. People who make two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand. Uh, 24.9%. But then when you go into 500,000 to a million, yeah, it's only a 9.2% tax hike. That's weird. wonder why that is. Hmm. So I wanted to go over those just so you, you had an understanding. Again, that comes from the nonpartisan committee. Okay. That's not me. That's not some analysis. It's not some think tank or something like that. That is, that is a nonpartisan congressional committee. Who is doing that? Now, if they're wrong or you think they're wrong or whatever, that's that's fine. You can believe what you want. I'm just giving you what their analysis says. Okay. Usually the analysis that comes out of those committees is pretty conservative. So I ran into an article. Electric vehicles may present a major problem during natural disaster evacuations, according to experts. Never thought about this. Maybe I never thought about it because uh, I don't have one. And it really isn't something that I, I had considered. Uh, it's possible. Kind of like Stephen Colbert. Uh, yes, I am the guy who called him a fart sniffer on national television, but Stephen Colbert uh, saying that he doesn't really think about gas prices and he doesn't care if they're $15, uh, $15 a gallon because he drives a Tesla. So the push to transition the natural road fleet to electric vehicles is 
is on, and while increasingly popular with buyers, experts in the transportation space are examining potential problems with mass EV adoption, uh, besides the electrical grid being a major problem. But one of them is EVs and evacuations during natural disasters. A report by the transportation re- by transportation research, excuse me, published in Science Direct headline, quote, can we evacuate from hurricanes with electric vehicles? It found that Florida, which often bears the force of hurricanes, may not have enough power to cope during an evacuation. If the majority of evacuating vehicles are EVs, Florida would face a serious challenge in power supply. In it added that that could affect at six out of nine main power authorities, especially those in mid Florida, and could reduce cascading failure of the entire power network throughout the entire state. In the People's Republic of California, the two main natural disasters are earthquakes and wildfires. Both are short notice events that have the potential to knock out the power grid with no warning, making it especially difficult, if not impossible, to charge a battery vehicle. Now, that is actually a case study from California Polytechnic State University. Um, It's a good tech university, by the way. It's a good science-based university. In 2020, sales of electric vehicles reached a record 3 million, according to the International Energy Agency, and EV sales could increase to 23 million by 2030, thanks partly to the Biden administration's stated goal of half of all new vehicles sold in 2030 being zero emission vehicles. And of course, an EV is not a zero emission vehicle. They just love lying to you about that. And my big question here, again, I'm not anti-electric vehicle. Uh, Everybody I know who has one seems to love it. I don't know anybody who's particularly butthurt that they made the purchase, although they don't have the entry-level budget models that have terrible reviews. They've got nice Teslas and, you know, Mustangs and that sort of thing. So um, at the same time, as I've said before, like if we're going to do this, there are some things that have to change. One, the technology has got to be improved. The technology for an electric vehicle is not great, and there's got to be a way to increase range without having to stop and wait for hours and hours and hours and hours to charge up. Now, there is an electric vehicle that is hitting the market that uh, basically has two batteries that you swap out. So you swap one battery and you put the other battery in the charger and it charges while the vehicle drives. And so use one battery while you're charging the other one and you continue to swap them out so you can theoretically get unlimited range. Now, we already know that some automotive magazines have been testing electric trucks and they found out that if an electric truck is towing anything, you're not going anywhere. You're going to get under 100 miles per charge. That's according to their testing of the best electric trucks on the market. You're just not going to tow anything. So if you're going to get away from an emergency and you're going to try and take your worldly possessions with you, such as like a wildfire or flood or you know something of that nature, you're probably going to die. That's just how it is. Uh, If you're in the path of the storm, I should say, because you're not going anywhere. The range on electric vehicles when you tow is dramatically reduced. Uh, The other thing is you got traffic jams and stuff like that, which could affect battery life and range and, and all of these things. But we don't have the electric grid to do this. And the electric grid has to be converted if you're going to go to an electric vehicle. And that's fine. I'm fine with doing that because the only way to do that is is nuclear. Um, and I'm very interested in these new technologies. And Indiana's uh, seriously considering it. These uh, these mini nuclear reactors. Those things could be the the wave of the future. Clean, zero emissions. Nuclear is like the only energy source we have that's zero emissions. Um, clean, zero emissions, no waste, massive power generation. And if you overhaul the electric grid with those things, then you may not have issues with rolling brownouts and blackouts by already adding electric vehicles onto a strained grid in certain times of the year. 
But this is something to consider. I'd never consider evacuation in a natural disaster. If you're looking for an electric vehicle, this may be something you want to consider when you buy one. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. I got to talk about this Little League World Series story. I was going to do a coffee with Casey on this. Uh, for those of you who get coffee with Casey, if you don't uh, get coffee with Casey, it's probably because you're in the WoWo audience, and WoWo just hasn't uh, hasn't picked it up yet. But they need to because it'll drastically improve the quality of the station. So this is a this is an amazing story. We've all watched baseball and seen somebody throw a pitch and hit a batter and that sort of thing, and usually that ends in like some kind of uh, yelling at each other and that sort of thing. Well, a a pitcher. At the Little League World Series, he threw the ball. He hit the batter square in the head. And and we're talking like it was able to hit the helmet, but it caught skin a little bit. The batter wasn't quite able to get out of the way. Went down in absolute agony. Scary, scary moment. Thank God he was okay. His name is Isaiah Jarvis. But the pitcher, Caden Shelton, became very distraught that he had almost hurt somebody. I uh, was, was crying on the stand. And the batter left first base and came over and gave him a hug and an embrace and let him know it was okay. Uh, it was a great moment. I love watching the Little League World Series. It's uh, You see great athleticism, great sports moments, and moments like that where the kids really show up the adults. Uh, and just, you know, they've been doing a lot of interviews now and talking to everybody, but it was a great moment that was scary, very scary, but I'm glad it all worked out. Bill O'Reilly's up next. See you tomorrow.